Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Yes, it is the 1st of September, which means that's correct. College football is finally here. Uh, my co-host Nick will not actually be joining us today, so instead we're going to be joined by Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon. Mark's going to talk some Heisman Trophy candidates of us for you guys to look out for. And after that we'll be joined by Aaron Resnick of Pro Football Focus. He's going to preview some of the big contenders in this year's college football. So without further ado guys, we're going to launch straight into these interviews. Uh, if you'd like to hear more college football from us, because we predominantly talk about NFL, then tweet at the Inside Zone and let us know. Cheers guys. So I'm currently joined on the line by a certain Mark Schofield, who some of you may be familiar with. He writes for Inside the Pylon. Uh, Mark is from the DC area. He is a former lawyer. So, you know, if we ever get any, like the Ezekiel Elliott case cover at the minute, if we ever need any legal advice, as well as college football advice, we might, Mark might be the guy to go for, to for us. But how are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing fantastic, Dom. Thank you for uh, for having me on. I'm sorry Akos isn't here. I guess he's sunning himself in Spain, so that must be nice. Exactly, yeah. Nick, Nick is having he's having a whale of a time. He's probably having a few Spanish beers right now. But, you know, who'd want to trade places? And we're going to talk some college football. That sounds quite good to me. That does sound good to me as well, although Spanish beer does sound nice right now. That does sound good, yes. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about the uh, – just a, more of a preview for the upcoming Heisman because I know a lot of guys, you know, who follow the NFL for our channel – I suppose a lot of them probably don't follow college football as religiously as some other guys do. So they're probably more in tune with the names like, you know, Darnold and a few other guys who they're, they're eyeing up for the draft next year as opposed to teams per se. So we're going to go through and talk a bit about some of the potential Heisman candidates, if that sounds OK with you. Sounds lovely. Right. So we will start off. So this millennium, we've had... 14 quarterbacks and three running backs. I'm going to include Reggie Bush. I know some some may not, but I'm going to include Reggie Bush in this. So the last three running backs to win the Heisman, we've had Derek Henry in 2015 at Alabama, Mark Ingram 2009 at Alabama, Reggie Bush in 2005 at USC. So the average for those three, we had 288 carries, 1,872 yards. They're averaging just over 20 TDs and they're averaging just under seven yards per carry. And Obviously, it goes without saying they need to play for a big school against some top-tier competition. So are there any obvious candidates that stand out to you right away who you think we should be looking at for you know potential Heisman uh, winners next year? Yeah, I, I think you can start with sort of the big two. Um, and if you the bulk of your listeners are sort of NFL fans and cover the draft or look towards the draft at all, they probably know who I'm going to talk about. And that's Saquon Barkley from Penn State. Darius guys from LSU, people are looking at these guys sort of 1-2, 2-1, whichever order you want to put them in terms of who's the most talented running back in the college game right now. We can start with Barkley, who an incredibly talented runner. Penn State does some really good things from an offensive schematic standpoint. They run a lot of zone stuff, a lot of run pass option stuff. They've got Trace McSorley, a quarterback we might get to in a minute. They got a nice tight end in Mike Jacecki. And when you talk to James Franklin, their head coach, and I actually did this, I got a chance to do it out in Chicago for the Big Ten Media Days. Got to talk to him, asking him a question about Barkley, Jacecki, the tight end, McSorley, you know, the quarterback for that this school. He was proudest of the offensive line that they've put together, 
And so when you put this all together, you've got talent all positions on the offensive side of the ball. You've got a core offensive line that's been together for a while. They've got some veterans there, some guys that have played a lot. Barkley's going to have a great offensive around him. But as far as his own skill set, very fast, dynamic, powerful running back. Watch him when he gets towards the sidelines. He's one of those guys that likes to deliver the blow rather than let the defender hit him or get into his body. Can cut on a dime, has great vision, which fits well with the offensive style that they run with that zone blocking scheme. Can really change direction on a dime. And so Barkley, I think if you're going to look at a running back and sort of have you know, a clear-cut leader preseason at least, I think Barkley is that guy. But Geis is a close second. You know, obviously we know about Leonard Fournette, who was the running back at LSU for the past couple of seasons. But anybody who was down in that area, that was down in the Baton Rouge area, or knew that program well, would tell me that Fournette's good. Don't get me wrong. Geis is a better running back. And I think we'll see that bear out this year. The question for LSU is, what can they get in the passing game? What can they get on, you know, other than Geis to contribute? Because if, you know, it's just Darius Geis, you're going to see a lot of stacked boxes against him. You know, they haven't quite determined the quarterback spot yet. Danny Etlin, the returning senior, is probably the guy at least to start the year. But, you know, don't ignore, don't sleep on Darius Geis. He's a very talented running back. So those are sort of your top two guys, I'd say. Could it be a case of where, because of the systems they play in, uh, you know, Darius Geis may well be the best running back of the two, you know, future long-term NFL projections. But because he plays in that, you know, mediocre LSU offense where they're likely to go, you know, run heavy, people will stack the box. Whereas, like you mentioned, down in Penn State, you know, they've got the quarterback in place. People are going to have to keep, you know, two safeties high to defend against the deep pass. Is that something that you could see where potentially that gives the edge to Barkley because he's more likely to put up higher numbers than Geis? Yeah, I, I think that's a very good point, Tom. I mean... Barkley is going to get a lot more opportunities, I, I think, given the talent on the offensive side of the ball. Whereas you look at LSU, I mean, they're going to be breaking in some new players at the wide receiver spot. You know, I mentioned the question marks around the quarterback position. Yeah, they've got Danny Etlin. You know, there are some some other question marks there as well. They're going to rely on the run game again because Etlin isn't the sort of guy that you can ask to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. There's some question marks up front. They're going to be breaking in some new guys as well. And so he, there's going to be more, I think, asked of Geis. He's a talented running back, may go on to play a great NFL career, but you know he might face a tougher road going forward. Whereas Barkley, he's not going to face a lot of eight-man boxes because, again, you know, Penn State has other weapons. Teams can't always stack the box against them. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that's a very good point. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about sort of the Penn State offense is, you know, obviously they lose, lose Chris Godwin to the NFL. He's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they're returning wide receivers, too, that saw a lot of action for them last year. And, you know, Trace McSorley is one of those great college quarterbacks. And you talk to some of the coaches of the Bay Ten, talk to Tom Allen, uh, who was the defensive coordinator at Indiana last year. He's now their head coach. But, you know, Indiana actually held Barkley under 100 yards last year. I think Barkley only had 88 in that game. But Penn State still won that game kind of going away because of what McSorley was able to do. So, again, you can't just key on Barkley. You might devote all your resources to stop at him, and you might still lose the game. And that's sort of the choice that defenses will have to make playing Penn State. That, that's perfect. You know, great insight there. Um as you mentioned, the last two running backs to win the Heisman came out of Alabama. Is there hope surrounding Bo Scarborough this year? Do you see him as a potential, you know, guy who could who could win, you know, a, another another Heisman for Alabama? I think so. The the issue there with that Alabama offense is it's almost a similar one with what we've been talking about with Barkley is again, 
Alabama is not a team that rebuilds or reloads. They like or retools. They reload from year to year. And so you've got Jalen Hurts coming back, was a true freshman starter for them last year. They're expecting him to make a nice developmental leap forward because this was a quarterback that was a little bit, I don't want to say he was an actual liability, but you could see in that national championship game that when Alabama had to pass, they weren't as effective as they were in the passing game as they have been in years past. I mean, you look at winning a national championship two years ago with Jake Coker, a quarterback, who was able to give them enough in the passing game. It was a bit of a question mark for them last year, the pure passing game, but Hurts is a good quarterback who's going to take a little bit of a leap forward. They still have some talent at the wide receiver spark. Calvin Ridley, a very talented wide receiver for them. You know, they've returned three starters up front. You know, at the running back spot, they've got two good guys. They've got Damian Harris, who saw a lot of action as well. And again, like you said, Bo Scarborough. So the question becomes, is Scarborough going to get enough touches, get enough carries in this offense? You know, you've got Damian Harris, the other running back. Hertz is a good ball carrier as well. So when they do run pass option stuff, there's always a chance that Scarborough might have the ball in his belly, but the quarterback keeps it. And so will Scarborough get enough carries to put up the kind of numbers you'd expect a Heisman winner to have? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, but we, we know Nick Saber, you know, he likes to get his saddle out, you know, preseason. He he, he he saddles up these running backs and he rides them hard all year long. Yeah, probably why they yeah he does. Probably why they struggle coming to the NFL because they have so many touches on their bodies. But uh, have you got a sleeper pick then? Because I feel like, you know, Barkley, Scarborough and Geis are people that we, we you know, the media are definitely hyped up. Is there, is there someone you think could be a sleeper pick at all? Yeah, I mean, they're actually top two guys that I would mention here in sort of that dark horse category at the running back spot. I mean, first is Nick Chubb from the University of Georgia. He's obviously had that, you know, sort of the knee injury a couple of years ago, but he's back. He's going to have, a, you know, a full year behind that knee injury. So he's ready to go. If Georgia can make a little run at sort of that SEC East title, you know, maybe they get themselves into an SEC East championship game situation. You know, Chubb is going to have to play a big role for them doing that. He's another talented running back. You know, I, I think that, you know, he's probably a tier behind some of the other guys we've talked about, but he's still a very talented running back. And if Georgia has the kind of season they hope to, you know, he's going to play a big role for them. And another guy who I really like out of the Big Ten is LJ Scott at Michigan State. Michigan State had a down season last year, but, you know, Scott is a junior. He played a big role for them two years ago when they won the Big Ten championship game, scored the winning touchdown for them as a freshman. If Michigan State, similar to sort of Georgia and what I was talking about there, if Michigan State can make a nice little run, you know, have an improved season, Scott is going to play a big role for them. They're, they've got some questions at the quarterback spot. Scott's going to see a ton of carries for them. They do some nice stuff blocking, whether it's zone or power schemes. And so LJ Scott, Nick Chubb, two guys to sort of have in mind as dark horses at this running back spot. Yeah, obviously Nick Chubb, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs, they've got a rich history there of producing, you know, fine running backs. Uh, someone I had as a sleeper was Cam Akers at FSU. You know, they got yeah. Dende Francois there as the QB. But the, the only problem that scares me about the Seminoles is that offensive line, you know, and that's something yeah. we, will, we will be looking out for Saturday against Alabama. Uh, right. I, I feel like, you know, we're talking about the Heisman. It's, it's every year people are talking about the quarterbacks, you know, who, who looks there. Um, for the quarterbacks, shall we start with Sam Donald? Should we go with the someone who's, you know, the media are now telling me at hashtags? Right. Should we, should we yeah. see play caller? Yeah, I mean, we could start with Donald. And, you know, obviously he's sort of been the talk of the football world, whether at the pro or college level, basically since that Rose Bowl game, or if not a little bit earlier before that. I mean, you 
go to the combine this last year in Indianapolis. And obviously the quarterbacks there, you've got Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser. The quarterback everybody was actually talking about was Sam Darnold. I mean, the NFL scouts are sort of dying. They're salivating to get their hands on this kid because you look at some of the things that he can do at the quarterback position. He's inexperienced. Sure. He's got an awkward throw in motion right now. Yeah, we get that. But he still shows sort of the maturity and sort of the advanced ability to make sort of those anticipation throws, getting the ball out before the receiver even is looking for the football that you don't expect sort of a redshirt freshman to be making. And so people are expecting him to make another nice leap forward in terms of his development, and they think that's going to translate to sort of a Heisman-type campaign. You know, Tom, like you said, quarterbacks tend to win these awards, especially if they have a playoff-type season and you're the leader of a prestigious program like USC. That's going to get you into the driver's seat for that. And so I think Darnold is a guy that if he has a good year and USC has the kind of season they hope to, he's certainly going to be in the mix as far as the Heisman balloting goes. Yeah, I mean, since he stepped in last year, you know, he led the Trojans to nine straight wins, won the bowl game. You know, the, the hype surrounding him is, is something that will certainly, I think, affect the voters, you know, when they come to voting. Uh, the problem I have, I'm, I'm not, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is that a lot of the Heisman winning QBs, they tend to be dual threat guys. So they seem to put up big rushing numbers as well. The only real examples recently I can think of is Sam Bradford in 2008 and Jameis Winston in 2013, where they were more of the, the pro style type, you know, carve them up from, from you know, from the pocket kind of thing is that something that you could see maybe affecting Donald especially when we look around at people like you know Jackson Hurts and a few of these other other QBs in contention I mean I certainly think it plays a role I mean when voters sort of look at what a player has meant to their total offensive production you look at a guy like Donald who all of his production is going to come as a passer and then you contrast that with a guy like say Lamar Jackson where yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't throw for as many yards, but he's going to add, you know, another 800, 900 yards on the ground. I mean, which player truly means more to their offense? Which player is the better college football player? And so, you know, sometimes people fall into this trap of does a Heisman, you know, is it who's the best professional NFL prospect? And no, it really shouldn't be. It's who's the best college football player that season. I mean, look at a guy like Eric Crouch when he won his Heisman. I mean, he was obviously wasn't throwing the ball a ton for a Nebraska triple option offense, but he was a threat in other facets of the game, particularly with his legs. Sometimes they even threw the ball as a receiver on trick plays. And so I think that's a good point, Tom. Darnold will certainly get some votes, but if Jackson has another magical type season, like he did at least for the first 10, 11 games last year, started to fade a bit of the stretch. You know, it's hard to look at those two guys and see what Jackson means to the totality of that Louisville Cardinal offense and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Darnold anyway. Yeah, I think we could just look at, uh, we could just ask Denver Broncos fans what they thought of Tim Tebow. Right. See see how how they feel about who's Heisman. But uh, Sam Darnold, is is he, he your fave for the Heisman quarterback or have you got another one at all? I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to look at what Lamar Jackson can do with the football in his hands and say that there's a better college football quarterback in the game right now. I mean, he's a dynamic threat every time he breaks the pocket with the football in his hands. Similar to Saquon Barkley at the running back spot, can change direction on a dime. He's almost impossible to take down in the open field. You've got to get a couple of guys around him to sort of get their arms on him, slow him down and tackle him because he's that quick, that fluid with the football in his hands. And don't sell him short as a passer and a pro prospect. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, you see him operate in the pocket, you see him manipulate defenders with his eyes, get through progression reads quickly. He's a player that 
you know, you're hearing rumors about all, you know, he's so great with the ball in his hands, make him a wide receiver. And I just think that's crazy to me. He's so talented. He's a great passing quarterback as well as a threat with the football in his hands. Why take the ball out of his hands and rely on somebody else to get it to him? He's a tremendous athlete. He's invaluable to this Louisville offense. And, you know, it's hard for me to, like, look at the quarterbacks that are on our list for Heisman's and have anybody rated above him. Darnold yeah. is certainly talented. There are other some there's some really talented guys in this group, but it's hard to look at the defendant Heisman Trophy winner and say, well, you know, I'll lean with somebody else's direction. I mean, last year was crazy. You know, he had 51 total TDs. Uh, speaking of Jackson, only only once has the Heisman been won by the same player twice. Running back Archie yep. Griffin won it, 74-75 in Ohio State. Is, is that something that kind of hurts his stock, do you think, the fact that he won it already? Is that something that could put people off, say, oh, you know, maybe someone else deserves it this year? Is that something that you think could play in voters' minds? I think to some extent that there's, you know, there's also sort of this, you know, similar to the highs, I mean, the Madden curse, you know, that we hear about every year when Madden comes out and somebody's on the cover, then all suddenly they're hurt. There, there's a similar thing with sort of the Heisman curse where guys that win it and come back don't always have the kind of year that they had this season prior. I mean, you look at, you know, Oklahoma, J- Jason White, he wins in the 2003, comes back, finishes third in 2004, Matt Leinart finishes he wins it in 2004 and then it was a way distant third to his teammate reggie bush the, the following year i mean tebow i mean look at sam bradford another guy he wins in 2008 gets hurt in 2009 doesn't even finish the season he misses the rest of the year mark ingram wins it as a sophomore and then wasn't even in the top 10 the next year. And so there's a bit of a Heisman-type curse, I'd say. Could Jackson break it? I think he has the talent to do so. But we'll have to see how the season shakes out. Yeah, and uh, how about we move on to uh, Oklahoma's quarterback, Baker Mayfield, someone who's, you know, rightly so generating a lot of hype. He plays in that that air raid offense where the, the numbers tend to be video game-esque. What, what do you think about uh, Mayfield's chances this year? I mean, I think he's got a, another good shot at it. I mean, he's a guy that's been sort of in the Heisman voted in the past two seasons. Um, so I think, again, playing in the Big 12, not a ton of defense being played in the Big 12. So he should, again, put up, like you said, video game numbers for another year here. And, you know, if Oklahoma has a good year, he puts up those big numbers, he'll certainly find himself in the mix. And, you know, he's another one of these guys. You know, Tom, as somebody that studies quarterbacks for the draft, I've got 40 guys that I've watched on my watch list right now. There are a ton of quarterbacks that I think have potential pro prospects. Mayfield's one of them. He's a very intriguing guy to watch from a sort of scouting standpoint at the quarterback position. But as far as the Heisman goes, he'll definitely, he definitely should put up, you know, he should put up big type numbers again, playing in the Big 12. And if he does, that will get him right back into the mix for a third straight year. Yeah, no Joe Mixon, you know, catching out of the backfield. D.D. Westbrook's also gone to the draft. Do you think that's going to hurt him at all? Or do you think he, he, you know, this seems to be a common theme of Oklahoma, just reloading him, teaching people the playbook kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they have lost some guys, obviously. You know, Westbrook leaving. Um, they, they lose Mixon, like you said, who was another, you know, big component of what they were doing offensively. But I think they'll have enough talent around him, you know. And again, how, it helps to play in the Big 12. And so I think Mayfield should be able to duplicate some of the numbers we've seen for the previous two years. Yeah, and then we just go down the list here that I've got written down. You know, you've got JT Barrett at Ohio State, Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned, uh, DeAndre Francois, 
Jake Browning, Jared Stidham, Mason Rudolph, Josh Rosen. You know, the, the list is endless. You know, it, it, it's almost this like some guy seems to come out of nowhere and con- into contention. Is there anyone you could see doing that this year? Have you got two or three names you'd like to yeah. throw out for a bit? Yeah, you know, Tom, I'll give you two names, um, sort of dark horse type guys. And the first I'll give a shout out and, you know, a hat tip to my friend and colleague Jeff Fair over at InsideThePylon.com. He's the host of the Pylon U podcast that covers college football for us. And he has a piece on ITP right now where he's outlined his sort of Heisman predictions. And the name that he ends up on is Jared Stidham, uh, current quarterback at Auburn, transfer from Baylor. Um, who's going to step into an offense. He's taking that over. He'll get chances to produce some big numbers, you know, for Auburn in the passing game. And when he was at Baylor, similar to Mayfield, again, played in that Big 12, he put up some pretty good numbers in the limited starts that he had until he suffered an injury. But I think Stidham's a guy to sort of keep an eye on, one of those dark horse guys. And one name I'll throw into the mix, Quinton Flowers, the dual threat quarterback at South Florida, another very talented player, both with the football in his hands as a runner and with it in his hands as a passer. They play a spread, wide-open style attack. Um, People, former colleague Ethan Young at ITP, who is now at NFL.com, he's really high on South Florida. Other people are as well for them to maybe sort of sneak into the mix, you know, when all is said and done at the end of the season. And if they do, it's going to be based in large part on what Flowers is able to do. He's a very talented college athlete, very talented college quarterback, and if he has one of those magical-type seasons, you could hear his name being called in New York City in December. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of people seem to have forgotten about Jared Stidham. You know, he's a former yeah. five-star recruit, went to Baylor. He, he certainly flashed in his time there. And Art Bryles, the coach at the time, you know, he he was on record saying that, that was that he is the most talented quarterback he's ever worked with. And this is the guy who obviously you know worked with RG three in that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinton Flowers, yeah, you know, the, the the he could almost have like a, a Lamar Jackson type season over you know, that dual yeah. threat, where he could put up silly you know total touchdown numbers. Uh, finally, what do you make of, say, uh, DeAndre Francois for the for the Seminoles? Do you, what, what, do you, what do you think about him? He seems to be getting a lot of, a lot of buzz recently. He does, and you know, I got to start here talking with a little bit of a mea culpa because during the last draft process, I was on a radio show and I, you know, said that look, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is really tough in the pocket, one of the toughest guys in the pocket I've studied, I've seen for a long time. I hadn't watched or studied Francois yet. I finally got a chance to really study his tape this summer, and I was blown away with the competitive toughness there from that kid. I mean, that offensive line, like you said, Tom, it's a big question mark for them this year. They hope to have it fixed up. We'll see. Again, big test this Saturday. But Francois is a tough kid. He makes all the throws that you would that he's asked to make in Jimbo Fisher's offense, which is more of a pro-style offense, which will certainly help his pro prospects. But as far as a college quarterback, hard to find somebody better in the ACC right now. I think he's an incredibly talented quarterback, got a huge future ahead of him. I'm really curious to see how he goes up against this this Alabama defense on Saturday. They do a lot in the secondary with sort of complex coverage schemes, stuff that you don't typically see at the college level. And so if he has a big game and they pull off this, you know, I think many would consider it an upset if FSU wins this game. But if they do, that's going to vault him into the national conversation. So uh, even just a good performance will get him there. But, man, if they pull off a win in this game, the hype will just be in full steam ahead. Yeah, that's it's certainly if he you know if he has a good game on Saturday, it'll certainly announce him. But I mean, people forget about the Notre Dame Texas game that started off last season with uh, you know, yeah. Sean Kaiser there. Uh, finally, we'll just move on. You know, only one defensive player has ever won the Heisman, obviously Charles Woodson. Um, 
Jabril Peppers, I feel like, couldn't have done any more than he did last year at Michigan on both sides of the ball. Do you think that, uh, obviously the favourite is Derwin James, is there any chance that we see a defensive player win the Heisman Trophy this year? And if so, what do they have to do to win it? I, it's hard because, you know, I'm somebody that, and we talked a little bit before we hit the record button, Tom, that you know, I don't truly have like a hardcore college team that I root for. I sort of married into Nebraska fanhood um, because that's where my wife grew up. That's where my father-in-law went to school. Um, that's who my, my in-laws root for. And as a kid that played Division three football growing up in the Boston area, like, yeah, you know, we didn't really have like a big time team that we rooted for, so I kind of adopted Nebraska. And to see the season that Dominican Sue put together from a purely defensive standpoint, and for him to not win it, I mean, I really thought he was deserving of the Heisman that year. He didn't win it. As a defensive player, it seems like what you have to do is contribute either offensively or in the special teams game to really have a chance at it. And for James, the word out of Florida State is that he's not going to be seeing you know, time at all as an offensive player. And so he would have to have something truly special from the defensive side of the ball where we're talking, you know, double-digit interceptions, a couple of touchdown returns on interceptions, and just be just an absolute force at the back end of that defense for him to pull it off. He's talented enough to have that kind of year, but whether it truly materializes, I, I just, it's hard to see it happening. Yeah, it's difficult because obviously most people, you know, the, the voters are tuning into, you know, sports and they're seeing the highlight reels. And unfortunately, it is those, you know, quarterbacks scampering on those 50-yard runs, doing the big bombs. You don't really see those, you know, pick sixes, those, you know, forced fumbles and the things that don't really, you know, tend to make the highlight plays. Uh, speaking of Adomicus and Sue, when he didn't win the Heisman, you know, if, if, if any of the listeners want to go watch one of the... One of the most fun performances I think you can ever watch by a defensive player. Go watch his bowl game. I mean, he single-handedly took that game over. It's, uh, it was unbelievable to see what he could do from you know, the defensive interior. Uh, Mark, that has been excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we say goodbye, could we get uh, a score for the FSU-Bama game on Saturday? What, what are you going with? Oh, ooh, that, that's a tough one, Tom. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say 23-20 Alabama. I think it's going to be close. Um, it's just really hard to pick against Alabama, especially when, you know, Alabama lost that national championship game, obviously in heartbreaking fashion at the end to Clemson. You know that Nick Saban has had this date circled on his own calendar probably since that night. You know, he probably got back to the hotel or got on the plane to go back home, and all he could probably think about was coming out and playing Florida State. So, you know, with wants to get ready, I'm sure Alabama is going to be ready to go. And then, you know, so it's really hard to pick against them. Florida State is talented. I think this is going to be a great game, great way to sort of really kick off the season in earnest. Really excited to sit down and watch it. And it wouldn't surprise me, Tom, even if Florida State loses, to see a rematch of this one a little bit later in the year come playoff time. There we go. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark Schofield. Uh, guys, be sure to go follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Uh, I'm sure you post all your latest articles. They're always a great read over there. I know myself and my co-host, Nick, we're always checking your stuff out over on Inside the Pylon. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, Tom, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Always love you know, talking about the game. And thank you so much for, for having me on. I, I truly appreciate it. It's okay. We'll probably, I imagine we'll hopefully have you on sometime in the future when we talk a bit of college football. And this, of course, when the draft rolls down, we'll be asking you to give us your expertise in certain areas. Uh, once again, thank you, Mark. Thank you, guys. Happy to come on anytime.
Right, so I am joined on the line by Aaron Resnick. Aaron is a contributor for Pro Football Focus, where he covers a variety of NFL and college football topics. Born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, Aaron has followed the Jacksonville Jaguars since their inception. As if that wasn't sufficiently depressing, Aaron's family is originally from Detroit, so he also follows the Lions closely. I think you guys are guessing where this is going, but yet both of those franchises have amassed a massive zero Super Bowl appearances. Uh, in addition to reading his weekly pre-game analysis for the Jaguars and Texans game at pff.com, you can follow him on Twitter, at Aaron M. Resnick. And, fantasy players, you will also enjoy his long-running blog, The Field Goal Post. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing all right, Tom. Thank you for having me. No, that's okay. Thank you for taking time out of your day to, to join us here to talk a little, little college football. Uh, season, se- season's right around the corner. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. And I know from following the Jags, I know that I've definitely been impressed by the knowledge and enthusiasm all the fans over in the UK have shown over the years in terms of passion for American football. So it's really cool to see. Yeah, no, it's definitely yeah, seems to be a growing thing in the Jags. They, they're very committed. You know, their, their owner, Shad Khan, actually owns my soccer team that I support, Fulham. So a little bit of oh, a con- little cool. connection there. <laughs> right, so uh, Aaron, we've got you on the line to talk a little bit about the playoff slash national championship contenders. You know, what big programs we expect to see late into December and early January this season. Uh, do you want to kick us off with one of the teams you think we should be you know, monitoring? Yeah, well, I, to start, I think we're going to have some of the chalk picks, which is the very common ones that you see at the beginning. So Alabama, per pro football focus stats, they're only going to be bringing back 52% of their snaps from last season. So the first game against FSU, that's going to be a tough task. But we've seen time and time again that Nick Saban more so reloads rather yeah. than rebuilding. Yeah. So we, you have to watch them at the end of the day. Then Florida State, who's in their week one matchup. I think this game could personally be huge for DeAndre Francois, the Florida State quarterback. He showed that he's really tough. He's only to play in the pocket. I think if he has a big game here, that could put him on the mat for NFL teams. Defensively, they have a lot of key pieces returning in the secondary and on the defensive line. They'll, this year, they're going to have Louisville at home along with Miami. But for the ACC, I feel their playoff fate could be decided when they go to Clemson in November. Yeah, yeah that seems to be uh, the, big, the big matchup there, FSU-Clemson. You know, it used to always be FSU-Miami, but now that FSU-Clemson game seems to have taken on almost like a, a new life. Uh, so talking, oh, yeah. about, talking about Alabama and FSU, um, Florida State, does the offensive line concern you? That's going to be an interesting matchup to see because with the draft, Alabama has lot, that's where they had lost a lot of snaps and of their positions i believe that was actually that position they lost 60 percent of their defensive line snaps this year so yeah they, they compared lost, they, sorry they lost 10 players in nfl draft you know big names like jonathan allen reuben foster tim williams ryan anderson you know you can you can reel these off and like you said you know saban routinely reloads uh the run defense is going to be fine that's just that goes with the territory down in down in um, alabama but are you concerned about the pass rush at all do you think this 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 alabama team can be slightly different or is it going to be you know the same as we've seen before I think the for this game, it'll be interesting because we'll see who Nick Saban and company expect to see the next to be the next crop of guys that you see hearing their names called in the NFL draft on the defensive line. There will be players who emerge or have been four or five star guys who have been on the sidelines. And then now they're, it's their time to shine and they might be involved in 
getting the Francois and the running backs that they have replacing Dalvin Cook. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who steps up between now and those first few weeks in the year. You, you think either you team, think, you know, even though they lose this, they still could be, you know, in playoff contention playoff. late in the year, even late with that loss against their name. I think they will, just because the the fact that they're that they're challenging themselves this early in the year, and that no team. I think they said this is. I think I saw somewhere this will be the highest rated between preseason rankings matchup to kick off the year ever. So I think that they're challenging themselves like this will really help them. And the conferences, the ACC has been a tougher conference. In the past few years and then the sec obviously has a strong reputation over the years so i think that this could actually help them if for instance they're facing off if one of those schools is going it's another one loss team and they're playing a non-power five school or a middle of the pack power five school yeah this time yeah. okay so how about we we move on to maybe another playoff contender what other team have you got there who you think we should be we should be looking out for this year maybe maybe another chalk bit like you said yeah well one of those would definitely be ohio state uh on the offensive line they are bringing back 91 percent of their offensive line snaps 99 percent of their defensive line snaps are coming back this year could be a very big year for nick bosa who's the younger brother of joey bosa who we all know from the los angeles chargers uh this will be a big test for the secondary because, like Alabama with their defensive line, Ohio State lost Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Cooker, and Gary and Conley all to the NFL draft the first round. So their big test could come on September 9th where they play at home against Oklahoma, but that is a home game, and Penn State is a home game this year where they lost in their building last year on that block field goal. So I think with those Two tough games, uh, senior quarterback JT Barrett. I think they're certainly a team to keep an eye out. You, th- the, you think the Buckeyes still have the, Michigan's number this year? You know, they still get it, get it over Harbaugh. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I know my, my family; it's big Michigan fans, so they probably would want to see that trend end. But Michigan has a lot of uncertainty as well, like Ohio State. The, the amount of guys they had leaving the pros, and they have more. They're gonna have a young offensive line. And yeah. Wilton Spate yeah. isn't extremely mobile, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he fares against all these young, up-and-coming defensive linemen that Urban Meyer and company have, because he's another coach like Saban who reloads rather than rebuilds. Yeah, these these, yeah. these three teams you've picked, you know, you can kind of pick them every year because they're always consistent. You know, they get these big recruiting classes, you know, loads of four, five stars on campus, kind of plug-and-play players. Uh, shall we move on to another one of your contenders? Who who else should we be looking for? Um, this is another. Chalkier one, but if I was going to look at the Pac-12, it was going to be USC was one. They got a lot of momentum last year after a Rose Bowl win, and Sam Darnold has received hype to the point we have multiple NFL teams trading picks and players like crazy yeah. <laughs> to for yeah. the chance to get him, even though he isn't a, have to guarantee leave school. But they have the majority of their defensive snaps returning all across the board in defensive line, secondary. Etc. Juju Smith-Schuster will obviously have to replay his production, but Deontay Burnett is a player to watch there. I know the Rose Bowl, he had 100-plus yards, three touchdowns. That could be an issue. Their real big test in the beginning of the year before they get in the Pac-10 play will be they play Stanford and Texas back-to-back. Now, those will both be teams that are coming into the year ranked. And Stanford, I know we talked a little bit before, this is a team that flies a little under the radar, but Texas could be pretty good pretty scary too they have talent isn't an issue there so i think they'll be 
those two games will be interesting to see if this USC team is for real. Yeah, USC, yeah, I mean, US- they've also got some talent on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Inman Marshall at corner, uh, Cameron Smith at yeah. linebacker. They've also got, you know, quite a good backfield there. Ronald Jones and quite a few impressive impressive freshmen there, you know. Uh, is, is you know, obviously Darnold's going to draw the attention. We've got the scam for Sam going on throughout the NFL, so that's going to get a lot of people excited. But is is there more to, to USC's game than just Darnold? They're going to, you know, there's there's more to, to the program than just riding Darnold's hot hand? I mean, they have some pass rushers as well. I know on Twitter, I PFF data, I actually did a post where I looked at the top returning edge rushers, and they provided some guys there as well. Um, but they had two in the top five. Yeah. They had yeah. they had two cornerbacks in the top five, other than Marshall, other than Iman Marshall, who you mentioned. They had in terms of pass rating against, and then in terms of quarterback pressures, they had Porter Gustin, who could be a, is a player to watch this year. He's received some preseason accolades. He had 44 pressures off the edge this year, and Uchenna Nwoso had 38 off the edge. So that would be second and third in terms of the Pac-10. So this team could have some defensive players too. I know Washington, they, they're they well coached. They have the Jake Browning returning. They're definitely going to be a player too. But I don't know. They're missing. They lost a lot of players to the NFL this past season. Yeah. Key players yeah. in defense, defensive line. John Ross left, obviously. So yeah. I think USC yeah. at this time looks like the crop. They're your pick, the So so far you've given us Alabama, FSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and USC. Oh, sorry, those would be the four if I had to pick, but there's yeah. some other teams that I think could be sleepers in the mix. Did you give us Oklahoma yet, or have I just uh, have I, have I ruined your thunder there? Oh, no. They're one of the teams I think definitely has a chance to make it. Yeah, you think, you think Bake, they're going to ride the hot hand of Baker Mayfield in that air raid offense which was ranked third in the country last year with 43.9 points per game you know it's it's almost like Madden numbers these these air raid offenses in the um in college football yeah. they, they put up some crazy numbers have you got have you got one more for us at all well and a one team i think could be really interesting to watch mainly because the strength of the strength of schedule or their lack thereof i think Wisconsin could be very interesting when i looked at their schedule because this year Wisconsin, they don't have to play Ohio State or Penn State this year unless they made the Big Ten title game. And they got Michigan at home. Other than that, their schedule is rather light. So they have the potential to finish the year undefeated, entering the Big Ten championship game. So if you're a Badger fan, you could at least have a group of six bowl game, which are one of the bigger bowl games. So. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, they seem to be more known for their uh, the offensive linemen. They seem to turn out routinely. And, you know, this, that, that unit, they've got four or five linemen returning. Obviously, Ramchick was drafted this past season. Uh, QB, you know, Alex, is it Hornbrook? Hornibrook? Yeah, he's, he, yes. the job, job's finally his. Top two targets are okay with uh, Jazz P. They've got Troy Fumagalli, I believe the tight end is called. And, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that pronunciation there, but no, I, I think Wisconsin look good as well. Have you got any any teams that you think people are sleeping on at all? Um, the three sleeper teams, what I would say among, they're all teams that would be ranked right now, but I think Auburn is yeah. a sleeper team yeah. to look out for. I know the last two times Auburn's been pretty good. They've sort of come out of nowhere with a junior college quarterback and they got another one in Jared Stidham, who I know you just mentioned the air raid offenses, and they can lead to some Madden-type numbers. But as a freshman at Baylor, 
at least when I saw him, he looked like the real deal. Yeah. And yeah. this team is returning 83% of their snaps on the defensive line, 65% linebacker, and 71 at corner. They have some tough tests on the road in Clemson and Clemson early in the year and LSU on the road. But if they're able to get through that, they're going to have Georgia and Alabama at home. So if they somehow go through all those four games and were to lose once, they're, they could maybe get to the title game or, depending on who they beat or their losses to, they could see themselves in the SEC title game, which and the winner of that is likely going to get in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the big thing for Auburn this year is that they, they play both Bama and Georgia at home. You know, Jarrett Stidham, who you've alluded to, he's a former five-star recruit. And, I, I mean, according to all the reports, he has impressed at spring practice. Uh, he's also got a very strong run game there, you know, uh, Cameron Pettyway and Kerryon Johnson. Uh, they, did, they lost Carl Lawson to NFL, but the defense still looks strong. Uh, Marlon Davidson made the SEC all-freshman team. You know, he, he's set to return... Uh, on at defensive end, junior Dontavis Russell, you know, he, he's got 23 starts and he's a force inside. Do you think people are, are sleeping on the, the, the Auburn team just because of the fact they play in the SEC West where, you know, it's obviously all the attention is drawn by Bama, LSU and Texas A&M? Is that, is that part, part, partly why you think? That could be part of it. Um, I think once people realize, I know some people are really into the high, the recruiting and things of that nature with college football. So I think cat, the casual fans, they might have heard of Stidham and yeah. they yeah. just slipped their mind and they forgot about that. He was recruitment juke and everything. But I think he might be one of those guys when they watch him, they're like, Oh yeah, I remember this guy at Baylor. And then they remember why they were high on him in the first place. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Up, up, up Riles at Baylor said that he was the most talented quarterback he'd ever coached. And this is a guy, you know, who, who had RG free during his time at, at Baylor. So, oh, yeah. Uh, one of the sleepers I've got here, I'm not sure if this is just a, a little bit of favoritism here, but the Georgia Bulldogs, do you think they're a sleeper or is it just a you know a media bubble, uh, the, the hype surrounding them entering the season? No, I agree with you. I looked at it and the SEC East this year appears to be wide open. While the, Georgia's only bringing 34% of their snaps back on the offensive line, they're bringing back a lot of talent elsewhere. Eason, Jacob Eason, flashes a freshman quarterback and he showed all the... He, displayed all the physical tools that a team would want out of a quarterback. He's going to obviously hopefully take a step in his sophomore season. Then with Sonny McKell and Nick Chubb, hopefully Georgia's probably hoping Chubb has regained some of his burst from his knee injury that prematurely ended his sophomore season. But that would be a huge boost for them if he does. The defense is bring back a lot of snaps on a Raquan Smith really emerged in his sophomore year against defending the run. He was a big notable, and the real big test is going to be Auburn on the road. If they get through that and they're clean in the SEC East part of their schedule, they do seem destined to beat Alabama for that conference title game. Yeah, and then, I mean, finally, I think we talked briefly off the air. You, you mentioned Texas as a team you, you potentially thought might be a sleeper. Yeah, Texas is really intriguing to me because it seems – Every year or two, we see a team or, or coach that comes into a, a really nice situation. Now, like Brady Hoke did it with – Brady Hoke, for instance, won with Rich Rodriguez's players. Jim Harbaugh won with Brady Hoke's players. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, Urban Meyer won with Ron Zook's players in Florida. But this – but one thing Charlie Strong could certainly do was recruit. So Tom Herman is going to come into this team, and they're going to have 
they're going to have a roster that's ready to win. And they're bringing back – there's a lot of young talent here. They're bringing back every – except for running back and the skill positions, like running back and receiver where they lost Deontay Foreman. They're bringing back at least 65% of the returning snaps this upcoming season. Like guys like Malik Jefferson and all that, they're all returning on the defensive side. So I think Texas is going to be a very intriguing team to watch. I know the USC road game I mentioned could be tough. Um, Oklahoma, the rivalry game is obviously there, but they have Oklahoma State and Kansas State at home. So if they're able to maybe split the USC and Oklahoma and in the Oklahoma State and Kansas State games, I, I think it could be a possibility that Texas is making a marquee bowl game this year. Uh, finally, just one little sleeper that I had. I was potentially looking at Stanford. You know, they've got some good corners there. Uh, the oh, def- yeah. defense, like I said, the linebacker core. I mean, a- apart from Georgia, I'm, it might be competing with Georgia, potentially for the most loaded group in the country. Uh, and they're just going to ride Bryce Love. You know, the way they they rode Christian McCaffrey, you know, they, they saddled him up, rode him all the way you know, into a bowl game. I think they're going to do pretty much the same thing this year with Bryce Love. Thank you for coming on, Aaron. Uh, like yeah. I said, guys, go, go follow him over on Twitter. That is at Aaron M. Resnick. Uh, just going to put you on the hot seat here quickly. Everyone's talking about the big game, Alabama FSU. Have you got a score in mind? I've been going back and forth on this one all the time. Um, I think I'd probably – I think just because unable to pick against Alabama on – even though I have a lot, I know a lot of FSU people will probably get on me about it, but I'll probably go Alabama 26, FSU 21. 26, 21, you think it's a low scoring affair? Yeah, for, for college standards, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a slugfest. Saban's going to play, you know, phone box football type thing, you know, keep, keep, keep it in the trenches. Okay, well, great. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for taking time right. once again. And uh, we'll see how those Jags do this year. All right, yeah. Thank you for having me, Tom. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.